guys, welcome to Rank and Vile, the podcast where we attempt to rank every single horror movie ever. And this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How is your birthday going? It's going pretty good. I just drank a Coke, a Cherry Coke Zero at 9 o'clock at night, so it's getting oh, real wild here. <laughs> you don't even care. You'll drink a fucking Cherry Coke on a, on a school night. <laughs> it's a school night. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm going nuts. Um... <laughs> I did not get a work birthday card this year, and I oh. feel a little slighted. I would also feel slighted. This is, listen, the best years of your life you give these schmucks. Well, you know, like, it, it, it also helps that today uh, I, I read, I reread uh, Glengarry Glen Ross, so I'm thinking, like, you know, a man gives his life for his... A man is his work, and he gives his life. And then oh, man. I don't get a birthday card <laughs> with everyone who writes... It's you, yeah. like, in an Al it's like, you, it's like you in an Al Pacino voice to your coworkers. Who told you you could work with men? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, Glengarry Glenn Ross, I, I feel like I think about the Alec Baldwin monologue or reference it at work with my coworker Chantel at least once a week because somebody will say a thing where it's like, somebody will mention, like, lol, the nudes. And then, as one, Chantel and I will look at each other and go, the, the nudes are weak? The fucking nudes are weak? No! <laughs> Just, you know yeah, what's the, wild the is that Alec Baldwin character is not in the the play. Indeed not. They wrote, like, Mamet wrote that specifically for Alec Baldwin to do in the movie. It's so good. It's, so, it's outstanding. So what ghoul shit have you been up to, Ryan? Oh, God, you know, uh, the, the ghoul shit that I have been up to, I have been working my way through uh, The Ballad of Black Tom. and oh, that looks so good. Oh, man. Honestly, I, I think it's between that and also I... Uh, so, I don't know if our uh, listeners know about one of my uh, uh, side hustles, but I read um, I read stories for uh, Escape Pod, which is a sci-fi uh, short story podcast. And uh, honestly, the process of doing that, I feel like I... Uh, all I read now is sci-fi and all I watch is horror. Like, these are the two things I do with my time. I, I also feel that way, except I also read a lot of horror. Um, <laughs> and watch a lot of sci-fi. Yeah, yeah, I bought um, Brian Evanson's uh, The Last Stand last night on my Kindle. Oh, um, I, I've been doing this thing where I will browse on... I'll browse Amazon on my phone right before I go to sleep and right after my alarm goes off mm -hmm. in the morning. And I find that... I fall asleep while a page is open and I click things and I am waking up to discover, like I follow Jerry Lawler on, on Instagram. How did that happen? Ryan, that, that's who terrible. allowed this to happen. <laughs> First of all, who allowed Jerry Lawler to have an Instagram? <laughs> like who, what, what is it? Like here's something uh, disgusting that I'm doing today. Here's uh, a selfie of myself who looks like uh, an abandoned glazed honey bun on a dashboard. <laughs> like, Jerry Lawler, he's one of those that when, and, and this is going to sound terrible, but I'm going to be so excited when Jerry Lawler dies because we will never have to see him on WWE programming ever again. Man. So I also, um, I watched some of Survivor Series and was so pleased that Shinsuke Nakamura did not punch uh, Seth Rollins <laughs> in the dick. Like the whole Which, time I was saying, don't let him punch him in the dick. Don't let this end in a dick punch. <laughs> Man, here's the thing though. Uh, a, I love that Survivor Series has the ugliest outfits of any show of the oh, year. Oh, it's terrible. Like, oh, it's so bad. Wear it's this like, okay, dumb fucking shirt over your cool wrestling gear. <laughs> yeah, or or in the case of Seth Rollins, where it's like, hey, let's do a Two-Face shirt where we have half of the Raw logo and half of just your regular t-shirt. Because, um, listen, half of both of those is probably one good thing, right? And then, also, because Shinsuke is on SmackDown... Seeing Shinsuke in any color other than red and black is... I feel like I'm not supposed to be looking at it. Yeah, it's wrong. Yeah. I, I also feel like because Japanese wrestling has trained me to believe if wrestlers are wearing t-shirts, they're not all in. It's just a normal night. Yeah. Like, Naito in shirt, you're not going to get much wrestling that night he's oh. just doing the bare minimum but like naito in suit look out so like yeah. wrestlers in t-shirts just signals my 
reptile brain, this is not going to be good. <laughs> or it's going to be a death match. <laughs> yeah, either you're taking a light tube or you're phoning it in. And uh, honestly, like, yeah, Nido wearing a Los Angobernobles shirt, that is... Like, you're doing a show at Corican and you're in a six-man tag, and you're taking it fucking easy, because this is, like, right after a big show. Yeah, you're taking it tranquilo, you're not worried about it. <laughs> this is the essence of being tranquilo, is just not trying, which, or it's like Kenny Omega, like, if he's wearing a t-shirt and the Young Bucks, like, cotton candy tights, you know he's, he's kind of dogging it tonight. Like, he's not trying super hard. Man, I'm so... I cannot get over how bad my Los Angobernables tee is. It's a pro wrestling tees shirt, and it is, like, garbage. (laughs) It is the worst t-shirt I've ever owned. It's honestly, it's the thing that infuriates me about pro wrestling tees, A, because it's kind of a garbage company, um, which, I, I mean, honestly, anything related to pro wrestling that turns out to be run by fucking dog people... Like, you get, it's wrestling, that's a thing that's going to happen. But also, pro wrestling tees, the fact that you have to pay, like, 20 extra bucks for the shirt to be comfy and in any way wearable, <laughs> fucking infuriating. I have a, I have a pro wrestling tees uh, Young Bucks uh, shirt, and it is rough, and it fits like it was made by somebody who does not own a torso. Uh, it, it's very, it's very bad. And what's... Also infuriating is I bought directly from the wrestlers. So, like, I have a Young Buck shirt that's printed on, like, a real T-shirt. <laughs> and it's the same design from Pro Wrestling Tees. It's just that came out of Nick Jackson's storage shed instead of from some oh, yeah. Pro Wrestling Tees warehouse. Yeah, which, honestly, I, uh, I, I did used to work for American Apparel, uh, at one time, and honestly, for such a garbage company run by a mustache pervert, well, not run by a mustache pervert anymore because they ousted Dove Charney, but uh, their basics are kind of the gold standard for me. Like, I feel like I've been chasing the high of American Apparel basics since they closed down. See, my um, gold standard is a next level 3600. Like, if anyone mm. is printing any, like, I literally bought. Um, Colette's weird Sega Saturn All Japan Pro Wrestling shirt because it was printed on a Next Level 3600. I'm like, I don't really like it's this shirt's okay, but right. she was like, it's printed on Next Level. I was like, yeah, I'll buy that. <laughs> Take you my might money. As, you might as well. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I, uh, especially the, the shirt that I want is Sonata's uh, Megusta shirt, where it's just Sonata, like a skeleton. Uh, st- standing Captain Morgan style on a guy who's folded up and doing a, doing a thumbs up, but my problem is like, okay, am I gonna like shell out and buy this shirt directly from New Japan, or am I going to have to pay twenty extra dollars to a company I don't like? So it's you gotta go with that Lion Mark. You pay the crazy mm. international shipping, but apparently they're like the real deal. They're good shirts. Well, there we go. Um, that's, that's what what that's all the t-shirt collectors say. Um, speaking of Megusta. Uh, there's a, there's a Naito shirt that says Cabron on it, and, um, I don't know a lot of Spanish, but I know that's a pretty dirty word. Uh, there are worse words, but I feel like if you wear that in, in public, uh, somebody might look at you funny. And, and what's wild is I see children in Japan wearing those (laughs) t-shirts. I mean, honestly, now all I can picture is, like, a kid... Uh, like a Japanese kid with a, a a shirt that just says like "cunt destroyer" on it. But he, doesn't <laughs> fucking, he doesn't know what that says, but everyone just looks at it. And they're like, "Oh, it's English characters." He gives a shit. Yeah. So yeah. speaking of English characters, uh, <laughs> let's talk about community. <laughs> that segue yeah, so, was something. Oh, else. that was that. Listen, they both have characters in them. Uh, it's it was a, it was a perfect segue. So um, okay, here's the deal. I got mm-hmm. the community complete series. Blu-ray box set from Mill Creek Entertainment. Oh, very good. And it's the first time I've ever watched Community ever, and I am very much in love with this show now. <laughs> it is it is so good. Like, there's... Uh, Community is one of those shows, I, I sort of, for whatever reason, mentally lump it in with Arrested Development, because I think um, years ago, like, I, I was watching Arrested Development and Community sort of concurrently, and Community is just a fucking delight. It's so good. It's so fucking smart, too. And, like, Mm -hmm. I think it's very funny because uh, 
Rick and Morty, which I abhor. I abhor Rick and Morty fans, and I like mm-hmm. Community fans for the same reason. Is the this oh, show Harman, yeah. that <laughs> Dan Harmon made is so smart and edgy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, honestly, Rick and Morty. I, I kind, I love Rick and Morty. I try to be real quiet about it. Yeah, because the fan base is so fucking garbage. Uh, you're but... gonna have to redact that sentence then, because this is a, <laughs> a podcast on the internet. Oh God, yeah, because oh, listen, some guy with a podcast is definitely going. He's got shooters on deck, and he's gonna fucking yell at me on Twitter. Listen, I'm um, gonna call out a dude. I was at a comic signing with Kyle Starks, who writes the Rick and Morty comic. And this guy was harassing him for sketches because he was sketching Rick and Morty characters. And Kyle Stark said, you only want this because it's Rick and Morty. You don't even like me and my comics. You're just going to flip this stuff. No, I won't sell it to you for cheap. Yeah, you're just going to throw it on eBay like yeah. immediately. He, the guy was like, let me buy your Rick and Morty poster. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, sketch something on it. And, the, and Kyle Sarks was like, dude, it's it's already a drawing that I have done and printed out. I'm not going to draw on top of my drawing. <laughs> yeah, just add, add a doodle. Like, oh, God, that's that's got to be a specific hell dimension. Is a Rick and Morty fan demanding that you do a doodle on a thing? Um Jesus, but yeah, like community. I honestly, Dan Harmon. Okay, so uh, the 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 episode we're doing, uh, of course, season one intro to statistics, which is the Halloween episode. Yes. Um, now, I think my favorite. Uh, this is this will be by no means a unique statement. Uh, I think one of my favorite. I think my favorite dynamic on the show is the friendship between Troy and Abed. Yes, it's it's a real lukewarm take, but I deeply like Troy and Abed. <laughs> Oh, a deeply tepid take, yeah. I, and, and especially because uh, I really like Donald Glover on Atlanta. Um, and I feel like this was, I don't know, like there's his character on Community. Like Troy Barnes, he's so goddamn pure. He tries very hard and he has a lot of feelings. And also, um, I feel like later on, oh, oh, actually, I just realized you're watching it for the first time. So I'm not going to spoil a, a thing that happens. But Spoiler on a 10-year-old show. Well, yeah. Like they basically... <laughs> They, they have a, a Calvin and Hobbes-esque, like, Imaginarium thing, Troy and uh, Abed, that I think gets a little played out in some of the later seasons. Um, but honestly, it's just such a fucking treat. And Abed in this episode, okay, so it's the Halloween episode. Yes, and Abed dresses like fucking Batman and does the Christian Bale Batman voice. Because you have to remember when going back to the show, it was the height of... 2009 so it was like oh, bat, yeah. batmania oh nolan mania yeah yeah man isn't it weird to talk about nolan mania as as a thing <sighs> man honestly uh, christopher nolan i feel like uh honestly christopher nolan batman movies very bad but also it's kind of, it's kind of not on me to like it's like shia labeouf you know where it's like it's not on me to have an opinion about this thing it just it exists and it's there, and... But let's be fair, like, Zack Snyder's 300 was a huge deal. Oof. I, wait, did we see that in the theaters? We definitely saw that in theaters. Oh, man. That was, yeah, that was us and, like, a bunch of other people. And it was, was a... Those... Can we talk... Here's here's time for, for Grandpa story time, now that we're Absolutely. both the ripe old age of 32. <laughs> yeah, settle in on the Cracker Barrel porch. It was normal to yell, this is Sparta, before doing anything when that oh. movie came out. Oh, man. Jesus, you could, yeah, that was like the equivalent of yelling uh, YOLO in 2011. Yeah. Was This Is Sparta, which uh, even even at the time, like, I feel like uh, I want to I sound cool and be like, oh, I hated 300 at the time. But I think at the time I was like, oh, boy, cartoon violence. Yeah, and, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's oh, boy, like they've got pixel blood. And then I sort of look back on it now and I'm like, oh, this is... This is fucking unforgivably bad. This is really um, racist. <laughs> oh, super racist and homophobic. Because, which also, also you gotta love the Spartans being like uh, the Athenians. They're boy lovers, and it's like <laughs> y'all. There was institutional pederasty in Sparta. Like, I, what what are you talking about? That's the uh, the author who we will let go unnamed, just being, you know ranting against his wizards and dragons again 
Yeah, which Frank Miller was such a great introduction to, like, this. Uh, because, you know, back in the day, I loved Sin City when I was in, like, high school. And because I, at the time, you see, I was working at uh, a Walden Books, which is another Cracker Barrel Grandpa sentence. <laughs> and, and I had checked, like, at, at, Walden, at the Walden Books I worked at, at Rivergate Mall, um, we were allowed to check out books sort of library style so that we could read stuff and know what to recommend to customers. And I had checked out all of Sin City and read all of them and really liked it because I also really liked Raymond Chandler. And I'm like, this is like a worse version of that, but a worse version of Raymond Chandler is still really fun. And then um, Occupy Wall Street happened and Frank Miller completely fucked the couch and was nude and angry online and yelling about how like, all of the protesters are liars and whores. And it was like such a great thing to look at, look at a thing that somebody who made a thing I liked said and go, I can't defend him. There's, there's nothing I can say about Frank Miller that will make this okay. Hey, speaking of shitty old people, has Chevy Chase always sucked or did he just start (laughs) sucking around 2010? Chevy Chase has always sucked. There is no point at which Chevy Chase has not sucked. That's what I thought. Like the I'm Chevy Chase and you're not. That's not funny. That's just rude, right? Yes. Are, are you familiar with possibly the greatest uh, roast that anyone has ever gotten on anyone else? No. Oh, shit. All right. So um, on SNL, like obviously Chevy Chase, he was the cock of the walk and he was a, a big thing on SNL. And then he went and had uh, a boring, lackluster film career. But he so he had left the show and Bill Murray had come on to SNL and become a cast member. And then Chevy Chase had come back to guest star on it while Bill Murray was on the show. They got into a fist fight backstage because Bill Murray looked at Chevy Chase up and down, kind of looked at him, looked down at him, looked up, shrugged and said, medium talent. And they got into a fist fight. I think medium talent is so fucking brutal as a thing to say to someone because like if you just said to Chevy Chase, you're talentless, Chevy Chase could go like, well, I'm... I'm in movies, so clearly that can't be entirely true, but medium talent, like, I, that's one of those insults that I feel like I would be thinking about for the rest of my life and, like, waking up in a cold sweat thinking about years later. It haunts you. <laughs> yeah, and Chevy Chase on Community, um, he is a dickhead of great renown. Apparently he and Dan Harmon also almost got into fights. Yeah, I've, I've heard a lot, and I don't know what's true and what's apocryphal, about him just, like, being... Basically, the line, you know how sometimes you wear a mask and the, your face grows to fit the mask? Oh, yeah. It's that kind of thing. I love sneaking in <laughs> references to George Orwell in our stupid <laughs> movie podcast. I don't, You said that, and, and immediately I was just picturing a Ch- Chevy Chase wearing a worse Chevy Chase mask, which is really him on Community. <laughs> um, and so his character, Pierce, yeah, like, he, this is just Chevy Chase playing himself as a crude, shitty, out-of-touch, unfunny old guy. Yeah. <laughs> which as a shitty out of touch old guy myself it, it's very it's it's deeply relatable can you um, drop and, and, like the sound of a mouth harp when we do these grandpa cracker barrel segments <laughs> <laughs> no we no, we gotta have like a picking and grinning sort of foggy mountain breakdown thing <laughs> just kind of just softly plunking in the back hammer dulcimer rendition of smoke on the water <laughs> Although for us, I feel like it would have to be hammered dulcimer and mandolin versions of like alkaline trio songs, <laughs> where it's just like yeah, we yeah. It a, needs to be the movie life because no one remembers the band the movie life anymore. Oh, the movie Jesus! Hey, I hey, hadn't... y'all remember Finch? Crickets. Oh, <laughs> Finch makes me think of a hot topic immediately because I'd always seen merch for Finch. Yeah, and also for and also for Atticus. So the Atticus also Finch, like, the drummer of Finch uh, had a Project Mayhem Fight Club tattoo. Oh my god! Which, if anything, that... says "Run far, far away from me." It's a <laughs> Fight Club tattoo. Man, because Fight you Club... see, Ryan, it's very smart because. Mm. Tyler Durden is actually the other guy the whole time. The guy is actually a different, sexier dude. Yeah, the guy is actually the guy. <laughs> oh shit! That's I. I gotta. I gotta lie down. That's, <laughs> that's a fucking huge reveal. Um. So, community. The the episode centers around um, Annie, uh, played by Allison Brie, 
is uh, throwing a big Halloween party. It's a Dia de los Muertos party for their Spanish class, but yeah, it is on Halloween night. And yeah. um, Jeff wants to skip it because Jeff is a dick and yeah. everyone else shows up. What makes a good Halloween episode of a sitcom? Oh, that's a great question, especially uh, for a podcast that has um, every Roseanne uh, Halloween episode ranked very highly on the list. Um, all right, so I feel like there are, uh, off the top of my head, I feel like there are a couple of elements that make a Halloween episode good. It has to be a good standalone episode by itself. Yes, you should where... be able to tune in and it is out of continuity enough that you can just watch it a la carte and enjoy it. Absolutely. Uh, I think uh, a bad example of a Halloween episode would be uh, something like Home Improvement, um, which is certainly a show that I watched like all of as a kid. <laughs> Uh, and so with the Halloween episode, you have like, bruh, Tim is make Tim the Toolman Taylor is making a haunted house in his basement, but Jonathan Taylor Thomas is having problems with his girlfriend, and they are very bad. Where I think if you look at a thing like Brooklyn Nine Nine, the Halloween episodes on Brooklyn Nine Nine are just fucking exquisite because they're heists every time. So my gold stand standard for Halloween episodes is Two Guys, a Girl, and a Pizza Place. Oh, I've never watched Two Guys, a Girl, and a Pizza Place. Ryan, it stars Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> so, so I'm, so I'm told. We've got to watch. Okay, so like these, this, these like three Halloween episodes from Two Guys, a Girl, and a Pizza Place made me the person that I am today. Because they're all alternate timeline and everyone dies each year on Halloween. What the fuck? So one of them is like an axe murderer in the pizza place and they're like shoving everyone into the pizza ovens. The next year, one of the girls that like Ryan Reynolds' character is trying to date is actually a witch and like shrinks them all really small and keeps them in a shoebox by the end of the episode. And, like, the That's next year, great. it's some other, like, untimely demise thing. And then the <laughs> next is... week, they just go back to regular continuity. <laughs> Which, honestly, I, w I kind of wish that they had just, like, at least one of them kept the continuity. And it's like, sorry, we're shoebox people. Like, we're <laughs> tiny, and this is where we live. We just have to make peace with that and move on with our lives. Well, I mean, the pizza place was also shoebox size. So, honestly, there's nothing that says the rest of the series isn't in tiny ant people continuity <laughs> there's nothing in the rule books that says a pizza place can't be in a shoebox <laughs> um it's yeah the entire thing is actually it's like a saint elsewhere ending where they pull out and it's actually just a shoebox diorama the whole time <laughs> with like a kid sort of just holding it um and so all right so community uh this is joel McHale as um jeff is one of my favorite characters in anything maybe because of like the archetype he represents of just like this fucking shit ass. <laughs> this like, shit this bird is... that's too cool to put on a Halloween costume. Like, because what is worse showing up to a Halloween party without a costume on? Yeah. Like who are you, who are you trying to impress? Yeah. I have no time for, like I talk to adults regularly. They're like, I'm not going to dress up for Halloween. And I'm like, why the fuck not? Yeah. And they're oh, like, like oh, cause so I'm you... an adult and I'm like, not good enough. <laughs> Yeah, and you're like, oh, so you've outgrown, like, whimsy and having a good time on a holiday that's based around candy consumption and horror movies. Yeah, and then like, the person's like, sir, it's time for you to pay for your, your tombstone pizzas here at the Kroger checkout. Will you please leave me alone? <laughs> sir, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and so Joel McHale, like, he, the entire episode, and I love, man, this is such a good episode. So, uh, Joel, uh, so Jeff is trying to bang a teacher at school yeah um and also he is and for for those of our listeners who may not uh, or, or may not have seen the show like obviously everybody in this is an adult but there's like still a weird dynamic where like he's trying to uh, uh have sex with one of the teachers and she's like lol you're a student that's weird and unethical um and the episode sort of progresses and it's i feel like this show has an understanding of weird uh power dynamics yeah, I think that's It knows fair. that that would be weird. Um, and so uh, he... Uh, by the end of the thing... So uh, Pierce, as played by Chevy Chase, uh, takes... What drug is it? With Starburns? 
It is a nondescript drug, but I believe it is some kind of hallucinogen because he has a bad trip. Right. Some old-timey drug that, like, Chevy Chase would have taken back in the day. Um, and so he starts hallucinating, like, Alison Brie being like, I want you to tell me about Woodstock. And there's, like, dancing skeletons. Tell and... me about the Beatles. <laughs> Um, and so you've got that, you've got, like, yeah, Abed as Batman, also not even as a particularly good Batman, just, or, or like, good Batman costume, where it's just, like, floppy foam Batman costume. Yeah, um, but Abed being a perfect angel and playing it as accurately as yeah, possible. Abed doing this voice the whole And Britta dresses a motherfucking squirrel with the best paper mache acorn yes. in television history complete with giant acorn uh and then uh shirley uh is uh go- going through it because she has just gone through a divorce and she's getting her life back on track and so yeah so you've got all these elements alongside the halloween aspect of the show that makes this a good standalone episode and like gives you those really good character moments um yeah that in, in addition to also it's halloween and we all love halloween um now have you seen a lot of brooklyn Nine Nine? Yes, I have watched a season or two. I love Brooklyn Nine-Nine so much. Uh, and the Halloween episodes on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, this is kind of like that where I feel like you get a lot of really, really awesome character beats. It moves the, the plot along while also being a Halloween episode. Like, Roseanne, I, I'm kind of cool with that show, um, like OG Roseanne, obviously, um, not having particularly a lot of things connected to the Halloween episode. Yeah, it's just kind of like a let's have a good time, and every character will do their beats, but right. it just kind of works by itself. Yeah. Now, actually, we should ask the converse question. What makes a bad Halloween episode of a thing? Something that is just a regular episode where they just happen to be wearing costumes. Yeah. Yeah, that's basically it. Unfortunately, I fear that is a definition of this episode of Community. It's 100% a definition of this episode of Community. Like, (laughs) it might as well not be Halloween for the purposes of of the episode. Although, honestly, I was, for for some reason, I wanted to say that what makes a bad Halloween episode is when it's just a parody of a known horror property with the characters and the thing. Yes, you're right, because there is that one Roseanne one that's super bad because it's just Rosemary's Baby in very stale jokes. Right, but then there's the exception that proves the rule for me, which is Treehouse of Horror. Um, Except later Treehouse of Horrors are really bad because they don't really drift, like... You know, the shinning is super good. Oh, yeah. But the Harry Potter parody is just, you know, tired and whack. Yeah, well, maybe that was due to, like, an overall decline in quality from the series just generally while also having a Treehouse of Horror episode. But, but yeah, because the best Treehouse of Horror episodes are the straight parodies. They're they're not even the original ones. Right, like Nightmare on Evergreen Terrace, I think, is my one of my favorite. I, I forget which one that uh, I forget which number uh, Treehouse of Horror that's from, but specifically I mean, that, that's the one that gave us lousy smarch weather. Uh, yeah. So deeply important, but yeah. So I think, but even then, it's not just a straight parody of a Nightmare on Elm Street. It's doing Simpsons jokes like around the framework of what if uh, groundskeeper Willie was Freddy Krueger, and I feel like even when they parody stuff, at least Treehouse of Horror, like it's doing something within that. So I think if. Yeah, the Rosemary's Baby episode of Roseanne was just unforgivable. Um, the ending of this episode of Community actually gave me feelings upon rewatching it. Yeah, it's very good because it's Abed um, doing the Batman speech and also Jeff setting aside him, his own jerk tendencies to be a friend. Yes. Yeah, because uh, Pierce is having a bad trip, and uh, he finally just levels with the teacher and goes, I'm really lonely. Please have sex with me. And she's like, all right, but stay three steps behind me and don't tell anyone. And then the fact that en route to having sex with, uh, with the, the lady he's been trying to have sex with all night, it's like, I've got to be a good friend. And the fact that she's like, are you like their court-appointed babysitter or something? And him just being like, uh, they're my classmates, thus reinforcing, yes, I am a student and you are a teacher, and that's weird. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's really good. Uh, and then, you know, the stinger, we get Troy and Abed sitting around uh, talking, uh, conversely, as Eddie Murphy from Eddie Murphy Raw and Batman about, if I woke up as a donut, I would eat myself. I wouldn't even think about it. 
Yeah, so good. So, yeah. is this episode, the, not the season, but not the series, because we can't do the whole series yet, right. but because Mill Creek was gracious enough to give me this box set, uh, it's all I've been watching. So we're oh, yeah. going to have to do every season's Halloween episode now. Um, <laughs> I feel so good about that. Is season one's Halloween episode better than Curious Georgia Halloween Boo Fest? Oh, shit. Um... God, that's a really good question because I think Curious Georgia Halloween Boo Fest has a better sound, uh, has a better score, has a better score, has a better overall fall uh, mood to it. Yeah, it's more Halloween-ish, I think. Like, it feels so, more like Halloween because, like, I mean, like you said, this episode of Community, like, it might as well not be Halloween for the purposes of the episode. Now. I am going to say it's not as good as Curious George, but I'm going to say it should go above He Took His Skin Off For Me and Happy Hunting and Motel mm. Hell yep. and all of those and go right above Lily Cat. Shit. Actually, yeah. that Because Motel Hell, I, I am very fond of that movie, but also it does not give me any feelings. Uh, this has legitimate like storytelling and like character development and... All that good stuff. So yeah, I feel really good about that going above Lilycat. Okay, so number 228 is Community, Season 1, Episode 7, Introduction to Statistics. Oh, by the way, um, if you want to, if you've never watched Community, now's the time to do it because this Blu-ray is out and it is like three Blu-ray cases have all six seasons. Funny thing about a Blu-ray, you can put a lot on it. <laughs> So, uh, thanks, Mill Creek. Uh, <laughs> thanks, guys. Next, let's talk about this year's Bob's Burgers Halloween episode, which um, I love Bob's Burgers so I, much. It's such a great fucking show. Bob's Burgers, um, I feel like this is one of those shows that I would love to take this show and go back in time to, like, the 1960s and show a television comedy writer what a comedy show in the 2010s looks like, because... There are no conventional, like, set-up punchline jokes on Bob's Burgers. Like, so much of it is just, like, character-based and non-sequitur, and, like, there there are no traditional joke beats on Bob's Burgers. So, Bob's Burgers is a show that my son really likes, much to the, the, to the um, chagrin of his grandparents, but <laughs> it's our family show because he identifies with Gene, and wants Excellent. to be Gene Belcher. Mm-hmm. Um, As do we and all. Although that results in him yelling, I'm a sexy little tiger sometimes. In general, <laughs> it's a pretty it's a pretty good show. Bob's Burgers <laughs> is shockingly clean for mm-hmm. adult animation. It's shockingly clean and also a thing that a thing that I've noticed, weirdly body positive. Yes. Like this show, like the the human body is weird and everybody's body is kind of okay on this show, and nobody like it's not gross or treated as gross. Um, Bob's Burgers is such a fucking comfort food show. Yeah. And, and Andre the Giant, (laughs) Andre 3000 the Giant, which is Gene's Halloween costume, is like perfect writing. Yeah, also the dragon with the girl tattoo. Oh shit, and the dragon with the girl tattoo. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, I get it. It's like, oh, the dragon with the girl tattoo. Like, wait, you get what? Like, I'm just a dragon (laughs) with a tattoo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um... Now, okay, so the the episode of Bob's Burgers um, from, what, this most recent season? Yes, this is season nine, episode um, four. Yep, uh, A Nightmare on Ocean Avenue. Um, street. Street. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Nightmare on Ocean Avenue Street. Uh, this, okay, so the episode centers around uh, all of the kids are trick-or-treating, and then somebody has stolen all of the candy, so they... Uh, the kids are, are this is running concurrently with the B plot of Teddy is trying to outdo the guy next door at the candle store for Halloween decorations. And Ryan, I don't know if you are watching every episode five times like we are yes. uh, with our obsessive five-year-old. Absolutely. But the character development for Teddy in the past season and a half has oh. been so significant. <laughs> Honestly, Teddy is such a... I, which is also what makes me think of the body positivity of this show. Is that, like, you know what, Teddy? Everybody loves Teddy. Like, let's, you know... Uh, Fucking love this show. And yeah, so Teddy is uh, a precious baby angle, and he's making a Halloween decoration that is a giant spider. And then the dude next door has this giant bat on a swiveling dowel that is just like swooping around, and he's like, 
getting steamed about how this guy is making a better decoration than him. Yeah, and then he has a laser hologram projected on a fine mist, and of course, shenanigans ensue. Also, Bob's Bruce Springsteen costume, which is just Bob wearing a headband, a bandana. Yeah, because you're this is yeah you're already in Bruce Springsteen cosplay at all times, uh, and so it turns out that uh, the person who stole the candy was the dentist uh, in town who's been like passing out uh, notices that like I will give you a dollar for every pound of candy you give me uh, to prevent tooth decay. Now, and, do you know any dentist that's ever actually done this? I do not, but I'm thinking immediately of the WNUF Halloween special where you get the one commercial that's like, Halloween is a dentist's worst nightmare. And it's just a guy talking about how, like, candy is bad for teeth. That I, I feel like there can't be a dentist in real life who's that joyless that they're like, if you give me the candy you get on Halloween, I will give you a dollar for it. Also because you get um, Tina Belcher saying, like, money is just candy that hasn't been born yet. <laughs> which I think is my favorite quote from this episode. Um, and so this show is perfect. Yes, it is It is a wonderful, wonderful show. Um, but where do you want to put it on the list? Uh, hmm, it's a good question. So uh, this episode is good, but I feel like it's not like exceptional as Halloween episodes go. Like, right, it is not as good as other halloween episodes of bob's burgers even yeah i was yeah even for that which i mean you know we're on season nine so i understand being sort of like all right uh what do we got um i would say okay here's my question is this episode of bob's burgers better or worse than children of the corn five fields of terror well ryan there's no um juggalos in this episode (laughs) of bob's burgers not this one anyway (laughs) <laughs> That's, listen, they're, they're not above having a juggalo on that show. Um, I, here's the thing. It's better than Puppet Master the Littlest Reich. Oh, it's definitely better than Puppet Master the Littlest Reich. So, by definition, that makes it better than Children of the Corn 5. Um, is, okay, is Nightmare on Ocean Avenue Street better or worse than Jason Goes to Hell the Final Friday? Uh, that's a little high because that's over Terrence Howard's Fright Club. Oh, yeah. And Terrence Howard saying, I spooked you is the best. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry, Quincy. Can you impersonate Terrence Howard yelling, I spooked you? I spooked you. <laughs> God bless you. That's that's the highlight of my night. Um, yeah. And then so- a man yelling, Rougarou. Oh, my God. <laughs> I need to rewatch Terrence Howard's Fright Club. Uh, Fright Club. Um, so I think it's definitely better than The Curse with Will Wheaton. Oh, um, for sure. It's probably is better it... than Santa's Slay with Bill Goldberg. Yeah, and, and I would say it's like very much on the same plane as Terrence Howard's Fright Club. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of them are even on Fox. But I'd say like this particular episode of Bob's Burgers is just shy yeah just underneath it and and we I, you know i want to stress like this episode is obviously like perfectly fucking delightful it's just like maybe i'm spoiled because bob's burgers is a perfect show but yeah yeah like it's, it's a perfectly fine halloween episode from for any show but yeah so coming in at our new number 207 uh, above Not too shabby yeah above cut with molly ringwald and below terrence howard's fright club yeah uh, bob's burgers season nine episode four nightmare on ocean avenue street um Let's talk about uh, the next uh, the next episode of his show, which is uh, Keep Beach City Weird from Steven Universe, uh, Season 1, Episode 31. So the only reason why I think this goes on the list is it aired on October 30th, 2014. So it is kind of supposed to be the Halloween episode. Yeah, it's basically the Halloween episode for... Especially because it's leaning so hard on spooky elements. Now, here's the thing. Uh... On this podcast, we have not yet done the episode Cat Fingers. Okay, so Cat Fingers is body horror, but it's not intentional body horror. Is, okay, is it intentional body horror? Because I feel like that episode gets real fucking gruesome toward the end where he's sobbing and crawling and his father is... the. Yeah. Well, okay, now you have turned me around. Maybe it is real body horror. Now, and, and here's, so Steven Universe, I had not seen it until Sarah Gailey had made me watch all of Steven Universe. Um, 
this show is fucking incredible. And I think the even the first episode of Steven Universe sort of tells you instantly that this is going to be kind of a dark show about certain themes that are really, really mature. Like, the first episode is Cookie Cat, which is about uh, uh, a, an ice cream cookie sandwich that Steven really loves. And the, the theme song for Cookie Cat is uh, Cookie Cat. He, he left his family behind. <laughs> he left his family behind. <laughs> and that he's like a, 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 a refugee from an interstellar war, but now he's at your local grocery store. So that's like... <laughs> me all right this is this is a kid's show um and so keep each city weird did you know that keep beach city weird was a tumblr before this episode came out no was this based on the is it's actually the the character from the show um writing about weird uh anthropomorphized fry takes over beach city weird uh chunks of crystals fall from the sky so like they did episode recaps of every episode from this guy's perspective and this episode is like the culmination of that where it's like you should have been following my blog (laughs) and and the avatar that he shows is the avatar from the tumblr page that is fucking delightful this the creators of steven universe seem like genuinely really good people yeah like and keep each city weird as an episode um now it centers around a character who and it grieves me to point this out is basically dib from invader zim yeah basically it i i hate to except his hair looks like french fries because he's the part of the family that runs the fry shack yeah which the fry shack as a uh, an episode or like as a as a part of steven universe i i don't know just steven universe uh, the most passionate and angry he gets during the show is when he's going give me the bits because <laughs> you the can fry have full-size fries give me the bits <laughs> give me the bits um <laughs> i fucking love this show uh and so uh so keep each city weird um ronaldo yeah ronaldo um, he is paranoid and he's got all these weird theories about, um, why snake beach city. people. Yeah. About snake people. Yeah. And like why beach city is so fucking weird, uh, which obviously, you know, and I know as people who have watched the show that it's cause of the crystal gems. And, and Steven comes to this realization. He's like, Oh, it's me. I'm the reason why Ronaldo is miserable all the time. And he's like, <laughs> And of course, because Steven is such a pure being of light, he says, oh, well, I'll just let him pretend that he's right. Yeah. And Ronaldo even goes as far as to say that the subs versus dubs debate is a <laughs> snake person plot to keep us distracted. You know what, though? That checks out. Anytime somebody is like, <laughs> don't pay attention to this most recent scandal, it's a distraction. It's actually that. It's dubs versus <laughs> subs, and it's a Russian psyop, and they are subverting our democracy. Um, now, and also, uh, I apparently, so now that I've looked it up, the uh, blog Keep Beach City Weird, um, apparently a, po- uh, a post for the episode Tiger Philanthropists uh, was written, but it was not posted because it was deemed too inside because of its use of professional wrestling jargon, <laughs> which is just my favorite fucking thing. And obviously, like, the Venn diagram of people who really like pro wrestling and the people who listen to our podcast, like... There, it's substantial, and uh, I think Tiger Tiger Millionaire uh, as a character. I feel like the writers for Steven Universe actually really like pro wrestling and get pro wrestling. Yeah, like for sure. that. It's it's ridiculous and wonderful, and also you can be a tiger who is also a millionaire. Like that makes as much sense to me as Cesaro's character, which is I'm Swiss, but also have a mouth guard, but also am doing a Dragon Ball Z taunt. It's not shut up. It's not important. It's fine. <laughs> how high do you want to put this episode of steven universe it's not really a halloween episode it is because it's spooky and it takes place in an abandoned lighthouse mm-hmm. but it's not because it's just a regular episode of the series it yeah i mean that's also my thing is like i feel like there's an ambient spookiness for steven universe in the first place um and also because i feel like they're the thing you, you, the, the most terrifying character on that show is onion Yes, Onion, Onion is inexplicably horrifying. Onion is the face of fear. Like, it's just this unblinking... Like, I feel like Onion, as a character who, for those of our listeners who may not have seen Steven Universe, is a small child who has a brother named Sour Cream. It's not important. Uh, Onion is a tiny, weird-looking 
a child who never blinks and is just the end of all things. Like, they, I feel like Onion could toss a baby up into the air and skewer them on a bayonet and not feel anything about it and just look blank. Um, Onion is fucking terrifying. But, so there's ambient horror on the show, but yeah, this episode is the closest thing it's going to get to a Halloween episode. So, how does it rank against, like, an actual textual Halloween episode like Bob's Burgers? Well, let's start with Bob's Burgers, then. Uh, I think uh, it's better than Bob's Burgers' Nightmare on Ocean Avenue Street. Okay, why? Because I think Ronaldo as a character, this is giving us time with Ronaldo that we have not really gotten in Steven Universe up to that point. Because up until that, I mean, he is a tertiary character on the show. Like, he's, he's not a main cast member. But it gives us a view of this character, and sort of by by proxy, like, he's a stand-in for... I mean, I, I don't know, people who watch Steven Universe, I feel like... I mean, I'm into some weird ghoul shit, and I, sometimes I look at Ronaldo as a character, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. Um, and so getting an episode like this, where it sort of lets him stretch out a bit as a character and gives, us, gives him some time to do cool stuff... I think that's better than sort of the uh, Nightmare on Ocean Avenue Street from Bob's Burgers, where it's just like, eh, it's a Halloween episode. You know, they do, they do yeah, stuff that they've already done. Yeah, it's just kind of treading water. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's great because it builds the world of Beach City for Steven Universe and say, like, actually, there are real-world consequences from all of these giant cartoon battles. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah, the Crystal Gems kind of ruin this town every episode. <laughs> Shit, that's a really great <laughs> Which, point. if you think about it, every 11 minutes, they fuck up Beach City. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's like it's like Godzilla with Tokyo levels of just like you know what for such a small town, how does it sustain that many giant apocalyptic gay space rock attacks? <laughs> like it's yeah, poor poor Beach City, and so yeah, so I definitely better than that. I would say also, uh, I think Keep Beach City Weird from Steven Universe is better than Return of the Living Dead Three. Yes, I also think because that's fair. Easily Friday Night Test. I would way rather watch uh, any episode of Steven Universe above that movie. Um, honestly, I'm kind of scrolling a little farther up the list. All right, here we go. Here's one of our, our gatekeeper movies. Is the episode uh, Keep Each City Weird from Steven Universe better or worse than Maniac Cop 2? Um, that's a little high. Yeah. Because, and not necessarily for Maniac Cop 2... But for some of the stuff that's um, right below mm-hmm. Maniac Cop Two, I think we'd want to we'd want to pause. Um, yeah. Are you comfortable with putting Steven Universe above Shin Kamen Rider? Kind of no. I yeah. It's also Guyver Dark Hero, and and Night of the Demons. Ooh, also, also and Night of the Comet. Also and Ghost? House of Wax. Ooh boy. Actually, I tell you what. I think it's not as good as the House of Wax remake from 2005, but I do think it's better than It Stains the Sands Red. Um, A, because it's... And not even just because, like, it's nicer and it's not as mean because, like, we've got some really fucking terrible, brutal movies on this list that we really liked. Um, But I think it's better than It Stains the Sands Red because it's in any way emotionally satisfying. Yeah, it's got better character development. Yeah, better character development... And I gotta admit, like, the sudden um, rape scene in It Stains the Sand is Red for no fucking reason. Yeah. Gotta dock some points. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Very bad. So that is number 179 on the list now. Uh, Steven Universe, uh, Season 1, Episode 31, Keep Beach City Weird. Hell yeah. I feel really good about that. All right. Uh, Quincy, where can our listeners find us online? Our listeners can find us at at Rank and Vilecast on Twitter and at Rank and Vile on Instagram. We are available almost everywhere you can get podcasts. If you want to listen to us and we're not on your app of choice, shoot us an email um, at rankandvilecast at gmail.com and we'll try to get on that platform so you can listen to us uh, in, in the way that you prefer. Um, hey, if you have a minute... Tell a friend about the show. Uh, I've found that word of mouth works just as well, if not better, than five-star reviews. Mm -hmm. Um, And just, you know, share this with someone. Uh, 
it's the holiday season. We got to do a lot of road trips and traveling. Pop on an episode when you're driving down the highway with your family. Definitely. And uh, listen to us cur- our dulcet curses. As you're- <laughs> <laughs> listen, to, listen. It's great for road trips because again, we're old men on a cracker. Like this is a thing you can like buy at a Cracker Barrel. Is like, come listen to me yeah, talk it's- about Alkaline Trio. <laughs> You have to. It's it's behind the Fibber McGee and Molly and Shadow cassette tapes, but it's there. If and the, you look and the hard water, enough, and the, and the saltwater taffy and the uh, the novelty cup koozies. Um, we are also uh, so we're on uh, Instagram, obviously at uh, Just Rank and Vile. We are uh, on Twitter, where we are relentlessly and recalcitrantly shit posting uh, about horror movies uh, and Hannibal the show and. Um, Hannibal the movie, I guess, uh, at Rankin Vile Cast. Um, we're on YouTube at Rankin Vile Cast, where we have a playlist of hip hop uh, rap tie-ins that includes the Crypt Keeper rap, which so. is crucial for your holiday plans, especially for Thanksgiving. Uh, and then uh, finally, we are on Letterboxd at Just Rankin Vile. Um, I fucking love Letterboxd. I feel like that's that's become my fidgeting at work website is Letterboxd because I love reading salty reviews. Um, which is a large part of what we do on this podcast. Um, but barring that, I think that's all I got. You got anything else? We are looking for sponsorship. So if you have a uh, brand that you want us to shout out, if you are a filmmaker and you want us to review your film, or if you do anything just ghoulish in general, uh, drop us a line, rankabellcast at gmail.com. Oh, hey, um, what holiday shopping's coming up. And our code RankinVile still works for LaPellia.com, and they have a whole bunch of new stuff for um, Christmas, so go buy some cool pro wrestling stuff. Yeah, RankinVile, all one word, all caps, very important. Um, But yeah, that's all I got. Do you have anything else? That's it. Stay spooky, y'all.